welcome to Four Guys in a Comic. Here's your hosts, the only four guys to test fate and cross the beams on a regular basis. Red, Rusty, Tap, and Nova. Welcome everyone to Four Guys in a Comic. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation. And comic books! Conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all comic books are to be made red. Yes, and here we are to discuss those comics. And are you guys ready? But of course. But yes. Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I figure, you know, speaking of four score, seven years ago, we got an election campaign going on currently. So why don't we talk a little bit about politics? Why don't we? <laughs> you gotta love hell to the chief but speaking of hell to the chief all right what are some of the great comic book characters that we've seen over the years enter the white house be involved with the white house and have their hands in politics well Well, i can think of a spider-man okay what what from um from what the amazing fantasy 15 uh homage cover where he's swinging with barack yep yep well, like, uh, wasn't Captain America president in the Ultimates universe? Well, that is something I was going to bring up. Yes and no. Uh, well, it actually originated from Captain America issue number 250, where he was just basically thinking about running for president. And the writer, uh, Roger Stern, you know, had this idea of possibly getting President Steve Rogers to run. And he's um, persuaded by uh, Sam Underwood, uh, the chairman of the new Populist Party convention, to run for president. You know, however, he ends up declining to run in a press conference, you know, despite approval from both the Republicans and the Democrats. Now, Cap had also discussed the idea of being president of the United States with the Avengers, who also convinced him that it would not be the best path for him as a hero as an, or as an individual. So in issue 250, he declined Uh, running for presidency but later on you know that sparked so much interest that it had to be revisited where that came about with uh what if issue number 26 what if captain america had been elected president and that issue is a really great read if anybody has not read it and if you like what ifs pick this one up like i said um issue number 26 and basically what it does is it takes off um where issue 250 um ended um, where Captain America is uh, at the press conference and he's hearing the crowd and the people cheering his name, begging for his leadership. And instead of declining, he decides to run. And so he d- dives in the world of politics and his um, first task is to find a worthy running mate. And so in the what if issue, they make jokes about, oh, maybe we need to find a actor, an actress, you know, as a jab towards Ronald Reagan. <laughs> it was kind of funny how they did some of that. But he finds, you know, Senator Andrew Jackson Hawk to run with him. And he goes through the motions and, of course, wins by 51.7% and for the popular vote and 138 electoral votes. And the issue is also noted for really explaining to young readers how the electoral process works um, in the U.S. for electing people. And one of the big things Cap says he's going to do in there is uh, take care of the world's uh, finan- uh, what do you call it uh, energy crisis by harnessing the powers of the 
sun, and he does so and gives us solar energy to help the world, which he does. But then, of course, Red Skull steps in, and there's a whole issue and problems in there. But it's also interesting to note that he also relieved uh, Ronald Reagan's president in that issue. So to answer your question, Nova, yes and no. <laughs> now. Well, I was talking about Ultimate Universe, but, I mean, that's pretty cool in itself. Well, Rusty, who do you got? The one I always think of, and I know it's kind of semi-obvious here, but the Red Skull. The he's Red Skull? Ru- yeah, he's running right now, and uh, or so he was. So is Loki. Mm-hmm. And then also um, in Old Man Logan, he ran and was in charge of the White House for uh, that uh, that world, that universe. And uh, he lived mm-hmm. in the Oval Office, and he had even, he had all the memorabilia from all the uh, famous heroes. But I, I always love the scene where he pops out in, like, the Captain America costume, and it's just like, oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, so one thing I think we really need to bring up and talk about is also Lex 2000. Uh, Noah, being the DC guy, you know what I'm talking about? Nope. No, <laughs> uh, I was about to say there's there's a Lex 2000. Yes, Lex 2000 issue number one, where Lex Luthor was president. Really? Really? Yes. Okay. Was he a yes. good president? Um, I don't remember the storyline all too well. I'm pretty sure he, he was president. I remember reading, I think it was Superman, Batman. Back in like two thousand something, he was president. I think that's yeah. what your that's what got him in was Lex two thousand. Was that uh, yeah. Lex two thousand, which got him in, and was it was and the vice president was Pete Ross, if memory serves correctly. Could be. I don't know. I never read it. So good old Pete. Yeah. Yeah. He's that Ross but, guy. Yeah, but it was. But you know, looking at some stuff, it was. There's also um, a cross event that featured Superman, Batman with uh, the public enemies um, tie-in. So something to look into because I like Lex Luthor. I always thought of just interesting stuff with him running for president. Uh, some of the other notable things would be, of course, um, I think we've all read The Watchmen. Oh, yeah, of course. Who was president during, during Watchmen? Do you remember? Is it Nixon? Yes, Nixon. Oh, so, and I'm Canadian, guys. <laughs> I just love that book. Yeah, because so Nixon is still president in 1985, which in, um, because Dr. Manhattan in Vietnam turned the tides of the war, ending in the mid-60s. Um, and then there was the, uh, ec- the comedian it had executed JFK, and which basically helped Nixon turn the laws so he could hold office indefinitely. So can you just imagine Nixon being president definitely? <laughs> what a thought. What a thought. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. So come on, guys. What are some of the other things noteworthy in comics from president in the office? We're forgetting a huge one. I don't know. I don't. I don't really follow politics in real life, let alone comics, so I'm kind of a bad person to ask. Uh, okay, who was it that gave Captain America his round shield? Was it FDR? Yes, it was FDR. Yeah. And he's, he is considered um, amongst the presidents in comics to be very influential within uh, Marvel, but particularly uh, DC. 
because it was FDR um, back in the day that was actually created the the, uh, JLA. And he created the All-Star Squadron in DC Comics. And it was basically, you know, Roosevelt summoned the Flash and the Green Lantern uh, in the 1940s. And basically in retaliation to Hitler and World War II that they need to create an establishment to protect the U.S. soil. So the JSA was formed. And it's still – how long does the JLA uh, – I'm sorry, the, the JSA lived? <laughs> Since the 1940s. And it was basically – it was inspired by FDR. Now, in comic books, I because I, I don't re- recall this in uh, Captain America, but, I mean, um, did they draw FDR uh, standing up or sitting down? Honestly, I don't recall. Because one of his big things is he always would stand at speeches because they wanted to make it not make it look like he was weak. Yes, yes. I, I don't recall, to tell you the truth. It would be something interesting to, to look into, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, pretty much every president has had some kind of, you know, bit in one of the series. I remember reading a Captain America issue that had uh, Reagan, Ronald Reagan in it. And basically, Ronald Reagan was basically, you know, like, Captain America, go save the country. And Captain America's like, okay, sir, I'm off to it. Thank you for being our president. <laughs> it was an unusual scene. Um, I can't remember what issue it was. It was a while back that I read it. Uh, what else we got? You know, George Bush, George W. Bush, I should say. You know, that was a, there was a whole controversy around that one in regards to uh, him being in Civil War One. I. I can't remember all the details around it. Do you guys remember? Not at all. Uh, um, <laughs> I, don't. I don't remember what the controversy is, but I remember oh, yeah. that I guess he had to get like he talked to the president about per, our Iron Man talked about to the president about permission about the registration. Yes, yes. So something yeah. like that, and they ended up having to redraw his scenes. And in the issue, you can even tell that where they were redrawn. And I don't remember off the top of my head what, what that was all about. And, but uh, I remember there was a whole big thing about that back in the day. It's like, oh, you can't do that. And so they had to, you know, change it in, within that. I remember so, Bush's appearances in Family Guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but nothing comic related, no. No, no. But, um, of course, then there was the... the the Richard Nixon scandal stuff in Captain America 175. I think we talked about that in the past on the podcast where basically there was a big scandal in the White House. Richard Nixon was involved and it happened. It, the issue came out the same month of Watergate. I know, recently, I know recently uh, Barack Obama showed up in um, Suicide Squad, was it, Tap? Oh, and he was yeah, he's telling Amanda Waller she can't have this team, yes. something along those lines. Um, and it's not really American politics, but we did have the whole uh, Prime Minister of Canada showing up in, uh, what was it, Howard the Duck or something? Yeah. Or he was on the cover? I think so. But um, that is not, sorry guys. <laughs> Dipping, dipping my Canadian politics. In well, here. you can dip your Canadian politics. Yeah. Tell us about some comic book stuff in uh, Canadian yeah, politics. Please. Oh man, I wish I knew. Um, there's, I don't like. Literally, nothing really comes to mind when it comes to Canadian politics and, and comics. Uh, stand um, on, sure. what is it? Stand on guard, right? 
Oh yeah, I guess yeah. so. But that had very little politics in it. I yeah. I need to I need to read some Alpha Flight. One of my local comic book stores, they have a horror section on their wall, and I just find it absolutely hilarious because their horror section con- um, consists of comics from Blue Water, Blue Water Comics. You guys familiar with Blue Water Press? I am Blue Juice, not Blue Water. Yeah, I don't, Blue, I've never heard of Blue Water. Blue Water, they put out political satire comic books, uh, such as um, Barack Obama, Buchanan, Kane, Romney, Palin. Uh, they've recently they've done three issues already for um, Clinton. And so they're, basically what they're really kind of like is Mad Magazine, but put into a comic book form. And I just thought I'd throw that out there. I don't know if anybody enjoys reading that kind of stuff. Uh, like I said, Blue Water Comics. Oh, Bernie Sanders. They had one come out recently also for him. So some interesting stuff in there. If you're interested in that kind of stuff, check that one. Check that out. We could talk about how um, in Spawn recently mm. uh, with Donald Trump getting his head cut off. And yeah. then that actually made it into uh, CNN. Like they did an article over it yeah. uh, talking about how uh, a comic book mocks uh, Red Skull and Trump. And I was just like, OK. You know, whatever. But uh, in it, they swap heads in it. And I, we've talked about it before on the yeah. podcast. But you're seeing a lot of comics lately, especially within Marvel, I noticed, that depict Trump in weird situations. And mm-hmm. um, uh, I guess the Marvel comic world is kind of uh, expressing their opinions. Um, Modoc, a Modoc Trump. Yeah, there was a Modoc Trump, too. Can. Yes, yes. <laughs> I was just going to ask you, this is sort of going off topic, and I apologize. Um, I, I remember you were telling people in chat rooms, Rusty, about like uh, Todd and Eric were sort of, Eric Larson were sort of, I don't know, they, they're putting their creations or like a spinoff of their creations in Spawn. There's like yeah. a red chick and like a... Ant. I don't know, like a... Yeah, yeah. Ant, but it kind of looks like Carnage. Has that been going on still? Um, another spawn issue hasn't come out. That that one actually was a month or so late. Um, so they're behind on the spawn issues right now. I I don't know when the next one's even coming out. Yeah, I, it, there's no clue on that one. I haven't seen anything. Yeah, there was a thing though um, where it was uh, Kirkman uh, calling out uh, Larson basically on Twitter, and uh, it was like a few, it was like a month or so ago. And it, uh, Kirkman was like, Yeah, you know, um, if we could just get those spawn issues out on time now, <laughs> because he was like in an argument with someone on Twitter, yeah, yeah. like, man. but um, yeah, yeah, it, it's been crazy with that. And then uh, we just recently got uh, the announcement from Todd too about the Spawn movie coming out right. and how it's going to mm-hmm. be like rated R and super dark and it sounds really cool and I think he announced like an actress or something in it. Hmm. Could be yeah. cool. Yeah, it could be. Hopefully, it'll be better than the last one. Yeah, I mean the last <laughs> movie wasn't that bad. It was. Uh, it had the highest special effects budget of in like all time. Almost of its time. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. hope. I hope a fellow podcast talks about that movie sometime now. down the road. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> Shoot, it's like a segue. Now you will. Now you will. I think I might know someone that can, uh, <laughs> that can do that for you. Yeah. Maybe. I think I think I, I, this is what I was going to pitch to you as well. Rusty still hasn't seen Superman 1. 
the the Richard Donner movie. If he ever watches that, you should get him on and and talk about that because I'd really like to know what Rusty has to oh say. I, I, I will join that that cast. <laughs> Rusty, you want to come on and discuss Superman one sometime? <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh like, boy. Shit. <laughs> Uh, For those those that don't know, um, me and my best friend of 20 years, we started up a side pod that we only got like two episodes out right now. Uh, but we, it's called Fork Found Movie Reviews, and we basically do uh, movie reviews of like either older and or more obscure movies. So like no big hits or anything. They have to be like 20 years older, older and or obscure. Uh, so yeah, Superman would be right up that almost Spawn would actually be at almost twenty yeah. years too. Actually, it's uh, I'd say it's kind of obscure. I mean, I don't. If you haven't, read, I remember you seeing comic, it in movie but... theaters. So at least it made it to movie theaters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but I think it's yeah. like twenty years old. I think it came out in ninety six or so. So yeah, that would be. I don't, years I don't think it was ninety. I think it was ninety four. No, I'm pretty sure it's ninety four. The Crow was ninety four. But Spawn wasn't ninety four. Spawn was like ninety six. I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna look it up too. We'll see. <laughs> We're gonna race. We'll see, buddy. We'll see. Spawn movie ninety seven. Wow, I didn't think it was that late. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. At ninety four, well, I would have been three. So that <laughs> yeah, fun. so I saw it in theaters. Doesn't really count. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it does not. Three, well, that wouldn't we'll have made sense. Ninety-seven makes a lot even, more sense. Even seven is kind of. Yeah, I remember. I saw it in movie theaters when I was seven. No, uh, yeah. but we'll see. Maybe this new movie will um, show a little more decapitating of Trump again. Yeah. <laughs> so I I put out there uh, to some of our uh, fellow comic readers to fill in the blank, and I'm su- I'm sure you guys have saw this. If I was a comic book character, I would be blank. Then I would run for president and blank. I'm just curious. So I, I saw yours tap. Yeah. Uh, so Rusty and Nova, I was kind of curious on what your your blanks, fill in the blanks, would be for this. Um. Okay. <laughs> if I were a comic book character, I would be fictional. <laughs> and what's the second sentence? <laughs> then I would run for president and. Then I would run for president, and since I'm fictional, I could actually save the world. There you go. <sighs> Oh, Keep man. it positive with a hint of sarcasm. Just a hint. That's how I like my comics. <laughs> positive <laughs> with a hint of sarcasm. Oh, man. All right. So, Rusty, what would you be? Okay. If I was a comic book character, I would be the front man. And then what's the second part of it? Then I would run for president and... Then I would run for president and be the voice of the Illuminati. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, what a twist. Yeah. Yep. And how about yours, Tab? Why don't you let everybody know what yours was? Mine's way more fun than that. Um, I said if I were to be a comic book character, I would be Darkwing Duck, and then I would run for president and tell everyone that I am the terror that flaps in the night. <laughs> I am the milk that makes your cereal soggy. I am. Darkwing Duck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, some of our people out there um, gave us some of their answers. And let's see, we had one said, if if I was a comic book character, I'd be the Hulk. Then I would run for president and smash North Korea. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, all right. One was, um, I would be Barry Allen. Then I'd run for president and screw with the timeline. 
so much that no one would care what my foreign or domestic policies are. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was pretty. Well played. Well played. Yes. Yes. One here is um, there'd be Superman and they would run for president. And no, I would just take over the world. Let's see. Uh, I would be the brain and I would run for president and finally take over the world. Brain, brain, I was going to say, brain, brain. what is it? Brain and Pinky, yeah. 2016. What we do every day, Pinky. Day. Try to take over the world. The world. God, Snarf! <laughs> there was one. Um, I would be Nightwing. And I would run for president and make the world a better and safer place. <laughs> Which was actually, that did happen. Nightwing did become president in a DC issue. Do you remember what that was? Do you remember what that one was, Nova? No, I have no idea. Yeah, there, there was a, a crossover where Nightwing ran, was president. I can't remember. Let's see, what are some of the other ones here? I would be Apocalypse. Here you go, Rusty. Then I would run for president and become a tyrant and rule for a thousand years until the world unites to topple me, and I would leave behind a unified world. And then all of a sudden, Nate Gray comes out of nowhere and destroys everything and then jumps into the crystal and changes everything back. It seems because like our listeners are not very, uh, very creative about the world right now. I know, right? It's like, kill everyone, rule it, I will destroy it all. Yeah, here's one. I'd be J.J. Uh, Jameson and demand everyone to take more pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, and uh, the last one, I'd be Captain America, then punch Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton in their faces. Wow, I like, I like that one. Yeah. All right, so listeners, keep an eye out for those fill-in-the-blanks. We'll be doing that a little bit more often. It's kind of fun. So wrap things up with presidential stuff and that kind of uh, things. What are some of the great speeches that come to mind in comics, things that uh, moved you? You know, pre- uh, candidates love to give moving speeches. What are some of the speeches that have moved you in comics? With great power comes great responsibility. Yes, it's probably like one of the biggest ones. Um, I'll throw mine out there while you guys are thinking. And that, this comes. No, that was to, mine. That was. Uh, oh. <laughs> it's just Uncle Ben talking to Peter. Yeah, yeah. Now, mine is actually Superman related. It's Captain America talking to Superman in Civil War. You guys know where I'm going with this? Come again? Pete, Pete. Uh, Okay, so Peter Parker Superman? and Did I hear? Okay. no Spider Man. Did I say Superman? Yeah, you said oh, Superman. That's why I was really confused. Not yeah, what like... I said, but what I meant. Okay? This weird Elmagom I've never <laughs> heard of. Yeah. It was part of Civil War. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, hey, you know, I'm not the first person to uh, put that in, in a Marvel comic or DC <laughs> comic, I should say. But anyways, um, <laughs> anyways, so Captain America and Spider-Man on a rooftop, and basically Spider-Man does that. How does a man who is in the country react when a country goes a different way? And, of course, you know, as we know, Steve's like, you really want to know that? And he's like, I, I don't want to know, Cap. I need to know, which leads to probably my most favorite speech ever written in comics, where Captain America says – doesn't matter what the press says. doesn't matter what the politicians or the mobs say. doesn't matter if the whole country decides what something wrong is something right. The nation was founded on one principle above all else, the requirement that we stand up for what we believe, no matter the odds or the consequences. When the mob and the press and the whole world tell you to move, your job is to plant yourself like a tree beside the river of truth and tell the whole world, no, you move. 
Love that. Gosh, that's just really inspirational. I mean, what are some of the ones that also that you guys can, can remember? Um, I don't like right off the top of the head. I don't remember any actual speeches, but I do fondly remember uh, Dark Knight Returns, Batman and Superman, the exchanges they had when they were sort of fighting. Um, nothing, nothing really inspirational, just really cool stuff. Uh, it is sort of political because they did stand for, you know, the opposing um, political parties at the time. And mm-hmm. I just like the speech where Batman's telling Superman, you know, in your quietest moments, uh, you'll remember the one man who beat you. Um, I really did like that little bit. It's nothing really inspirational, but it's just Batman mm-hmm. being as cool as he always is. Yeah. I know there's a lot out there. I mean, I know Wonder Woman's had some. Superman yeah, versus yeah. had a bunch. Um, it's just yeah, hard. Superman to has it. And I, I think of all was that All Star Superman. There was yeah. some good good stuff in there. Some I just can't remember them off the top of my head, but there was some really great stuff in that. There's a great scene in there where, again, it is pretty inspirational, just because he's sort of dealing with all this stuff going on, and he overhears using his super hearing that a girl's like about to commit suicide and he goes to her and tells her you know you're you're better than this and um like believe me it's just really that's one of the uh, more memorable pages from the the story um just because i mean it's like superman you know being superman and that's that's what we all sort of miss from the guy recently but um yeah rusty you got anything well, I have two things that come to mind, actually. Um, coincidentally, they're both from Marvel graphic novels from the late 70s, early 80s, which mm-hmm. is kind of odd. But um, what? Who wrote them? Okay. Chris Claremont and okay. Jim Starlin. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. What a surprise. Yeah. All yeah, right. Never um, yeah, I know. Who, who would have known? But the uh, Chris Claremont one is actually from God Loves, Man Kills. And it's at the end whenever uh, they're confronting a striker on stage and everything. And he's explaining, they're explaining to him, it's like, look, you know, you can't use religion to, a religion is a fear tool to control masses. And, you know, that that's not how it's supposed to work. And people need to have free thinking and all this stuff. And uh, that scene right there, I mean, it, it was just kind of really... I mean, it, I mean, I know it goes on, but I mean, people really do use like religion as a tool to, you know, just get their agenda across and is more of like a, a, manipula- a manipulation thing. I mean, there's some people that are just general, generally, you know, generous. And I mean, it, and it's legit. But I mean, there are some people bigger mega churches. I see it more like that, but where they're just trying to persuade a mass, you know what I mean, uh, to fit their own agenda and. I, I thought it was cool how in that, like, just the exchange there of how it kind of just really broke apart of every, everything. And, I mean, even now, it may seem like something that's played out in society. You hear it all the time, and it's kind of broken open. But you got to think about the time it was written in the late 70s and stuff. And it was really, I think, something that was probably eye-opening back then. And even now, it was still relatable. The second thing is actually from uh, the death, the death of uh, Captain Marvel. At the end, when the death actually happens, you have a scene of where Thanos is basically explaining to Captain Marvel and, like, holding his hand and walking him through his death and the cross over from life to death. 
And it's like really like the conversations they have and like he's com- combating himself basically. And he needed to realize that, you know, you can't stop death and that, I mean, it's just one of those things that when it happens, you have to learn how to accept it. I, I thought it was a cool moment in that. So tap, we haven't heard anything from you. Yeah, we did. <laughs> that's and yeah. that you're leaving at that. That's yeah, that's it. He's that's dropping my, the mic. Boom, that's, mic dropped. Uh, all right. Well, I have to ask you all this. So if you were to take a superhero in the comics, write a story about them running for presidency, who would you like to see run? Moon Knight. <laughs> Moon Knight. Schizophrenic president. Different America every day. Fuck yeah. <laughs> My that, God. That's how we do it. Uh, what about you, Nova, for Canada? For Canada? Anyone. No, I'm kidding. Any- uh, <laughs> Captain Canuck for president. Uh, Puck. Puck, I don't know, man. I feel like hockey would just become way too big a focus. <laughs> Wolverine for president. Oh, oh we do. Oh, boy. Deadpool well, I mean, he'd take care. Of, he'd take care of some uh, political problems um, for president. For not president, prime minister, or whatever. Prime minister, I'm gonna say. Huh. I don't know. Give me a second. Someone else well, answer for now. Yeah. Right, well, while you're thinking, I'll throw mine out there. Um, Wonder Woman. Mary, can you guys see that? Yep. I don't think that's ever been touched with in any storyline with her. She's Amazonian. She can't run for president of the United States. Exactly. Yeah. Well, are any of the how many of those superheroes really are from the U.S.? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> <laughs> Superman's Canadian. Come on, well, Superman. Did he ever run for president? I think he just helps the he just yeah. helps the the president, but. Um, I don't know. I'd say for me, it would just have to be, um, I was going to say Damian Wayne, but I guess he's technically not a U.S. citizen. So just because that would be cool. I think we're going to take that out there. Take out the requirements of being a U.S. citizen. Take out the requirements uh, of being a former U.S. senator. Then it's all, all right. Yeah, I guess I don't, I don't know what the rules are for uh, running for Canadian prime minister. I'm a little uh, out of the loop in that regard, but I guess I would like to choose someone Canadian. Why not Deadpool? Deadpool. Let's just have him run. Deadpool for president. Oh, have my God. Be. Let him have his fun. Uh, okay, so for me, it's kind of a toss-up because I'm thinking of humans, you know. So Charles Xavier for president would be pretty solid. Um. Or who else? Reed Richards for president. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, but he seems Reed like Richards. a he seems like a guy who just sort of neglect he neglects his own family. He's definitely gonna neglect uh, everyone else. Beast for president. That would be cool. Beast for president. That would be pretty dope. He has the ideals of Charles Xavier, yet he's unique. Mm-hmm. Cyclops for president. Oh yeah. Hell no. <laughs> oh God. Man. We're gonna or or cable for president. I'd go. I'd go with that. Cable for president. 
he wanted to be the new messiah so i think he'd be he'd take the presidency no and problem. if people didn't like him he could make them like him. <laughs> isn't that how it's supposed to work no all right well sounds like it's about time to wrap things up but you know speaking of politics you know nothing's more popular in politics than sex i mean oh, come on look at clinton well, that being said, why don't we turn everything on over and give the captain a sex a call, Mr. Chip Zardowski. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's go ahead and dial him in, guys. Beep, beep, boop, boop, boop. So, Nova, I understand we have a special guest tonight. Oh, yes, we do. He is a fellow Canadian. I know you and I enjoy a lot. Uh, An amazing illustrator, writer, journalist, and designer. A guy that even ran a campaign for mayor in Toronto. Wait, wait, wait. You're not talking about Steve Murray, are you? Oh, yeah. Also known as uh, Mr. Todd Diamond, who has recently shown the world that he is the associate vice president of Zdarsko, Inc., Yes, folks, we have none other than the man of not only many names, but the man of many talents, the one and only Eisner Award-winning Chip Zdarsky. You know, there were a lot of power struggles within Zdarsko Incorporated, (laughs) so uh, I was hoping at least for vice president, but uh, we'll see in the fiscal new year. Hey, at least you got uh, the first four four letters of of your last name basically in the title of the company, so... I know, I know. You think that would... uh... Uh, allow me to become president, but it's just not the way it works in a democracy. Oh, well, a, a good title's a good title, right? Yeah, That's exactly. Right. <laughs> Thanks for so, having me. Oh, it's, it's our pleasure. Yes, um, it's so exciting to have you on. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, now, um, before, before we get started talking about, uh, you know, stuff that happened this past Labor Day weekend that you were heavily involved in, uh, with an asterisk, I guess we can say. Uh, why don't you give people that have heard of you sort of a, a quick rundown? Of... Wait, wait, so you, wait, you tell me there's somebody that hasn't heard of Chip. <laughs> well, I mean... Shame on them. I, not not everyone knows who to follow on Twitter, so... Mm. Okay. I, I feel like you gave a pretty solid rundown just there. Alright, well, how about uh, the, the, the secret origin of whichever name you feel like going by right now <laughs> <laughs> oh well yeah i guess the uh the origin of uh, i guess chip zadarsky as a kind of a name and a persona um happened directly after my divorce uh which uh, my therapist loves like the idea that i came up with a whole new name and persona and went on the road to comic conventions right after mm-hmm. a divorce it's just like yeah, it was in there for her at some point. Um, <laughs> so it sounded yeah, like you were your own thing. therapist. You didn't need her. I, I, I know. I, I dealt with it. <laughs> <laughs> I just created an entirely different person. There you That's go. all right. Um, yeah, the, uh, the chip thing kind of started when, um, uh, as you alluded to, I uh, work for newspapers mm-hmm. primarily um, uh, under the name Steve Murray. And at some point, I realized that I wanted to do kind of more darker humor stuff. And um, I was already kind of getting in trouble from the paper. 
uh, it was the Global Mail at that point for um, conflicts with other things I was doing. So I told them that if I did anything that would uh, reflect poorly on the paper, I'd do it under a pseudonym. And so, and so, yeah, so it just kind of started up that way. I ended up doing like a comic strip for a University of Toronto newspaper. And my goal was to not do the comic. Like they asked me to do it as like an outgoing editor. And I was like, oh man, I don't have time for this. So I tried to come up with a thing that was so terrible that they wouldn't publish it. And uh, so I did it under the fake name, and every week they published it. So every week I tried to outdo it uh, with just, like, uh, idiot details. It was called Prison Funnies, and uh, I feel like the name kind of sums up what I was going for. And it became a thing where, like, I, I ended up creating this persona of a, this ad cartoonist that, like, worked, uh, worked in his basement um, painting figurines in his mother's basement and... Uh, he had a drinking problem, and he was a bit of a stalker, and uh, I kind of took that show on the road and uh, was very drunk for a bunch of years at comic conventions and doing just terrible things. And, yeah, that's what started. And now it's like it's like my job. So yeah. it's calmed down a bit uh, now that I you know, have a, a steady partner and uh, I don't drink quite as much as I used to. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, that's kind of the origin of Chips with Arsky. I stole now, the last you're... name from a friend's ex-girlfriend oh. um, because he broke up with her and uh, she was really, really cool and we were really angry at him for breaking up with her. So I took oh. her last name. It was kind of like a <laughs> in-memoriam. Yeah. And, a nephew uh, to yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Along, I felt really bad that I was using her last name. So I reached out to her and called like I'd give her a new thing. And it, kind of, it turned into like a weird affair. And it, did it have like a little incest feel, even though it wasn't? Because I mean, kind of. I think it's like this is wrong, even though it's like artificially wrong. Wow! It's, it sounds like an own, its own comic series in the making. <laughs> I know it really. Or at, least, or at least a story arc. <laughs> All right, well, um, for those that again, I'm just gonna say this again. For those that don't know, there was. Um, there was this really cool, for those living in Toronto, really cool uh, convention the past week. I'm not talking about Fan Expo. Um, <laughs> there was Zdarscon. Mm. What was, yeah. I, I unfortunately, I am a, a fellow Torontonian, but uh, what? So you were in Toronto and you could not book the day off. Well, I. <laughs> That's what you're telling me. I live in Toronto, unfortunately, I had to work. Yeah, yeah. No vacation time. It's a shame. It's a, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a new job. It, it is a new job, so oh, okay. I am, okay. I feel like I'm in a valid position. All right, that's fair. Um, yeah, so uh, two years ago, like uh, Fan Expo is obviously the big comic convention that happens in Toronto every year, and uh, I haven't done it in 12 years uh, for a variety of reasons. But, uh, but I always feel like I was missing out, and so two years ago I decided to do Zadarscon, um, in conjunction with the Big Island Comic Shop in town, set up across the street from Fan Expo on a trolley where we bolted a chair and a table and a magazine rack to this trolley. And I just I, I sat in the chair in a velvet jacket and signed comics as my friend pulled me in the trolley, um, which seemed like a good idea. You're in the sun, direct sunlight, and uh, across the street from the show, you have Blue Jays fans walking by us. Uh, very hard to sell a book called Sex to Blue Jays fans. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I got heat stroke. 
I got heat stroke, yes. so like oh. I was sick for three days. And also, I recently had won the Eisner, and so I bolted it to the desk, uh, but it still managed to keep falling off and get dented. And then I think I lost it in the rental van. Oh, no. Because, oh you know, I packed up all the boxes, and then when I got home, I was looking at the boxes, and I'm like, ah, it must be around here somewhere. And kind of really like the idea of somebody renting a van and then finding an award that says sex criminals on it <laughs> without, without any context. Like, <laughs> like what kind of award is this? Uh, so, yeah, I just kind of accepted it as uh, lost forever. Oh, my so, David, that was two years ago. And, yeah. uh, you know, we learned a lot of lessons here about um, basic sun protection and uh, comfort levels. And so when this year came around, we wanted to do something again, and we were kind of racking our brains, like, well, well what, do you, what do you do that's going to be comfortable enough uh, that people will want to come to that's uh, close enough to an expo? Which is also a problem because you can't like rent a restaurant down there because they make, you know, hundred thousand dollars during Fan Expo weekend. So uh, yeah, so I settled on the hotel suite. So we rented uh, an executive at the Soho Metropolitan. You know, sent out a notice that something was going to happen, and then the day out we we said with uh, guys on the street who would handle in a lineup and then bring them up five at a time to the hotel suite in which they would uh, enter as a darkscon which was my son, Brian Lee O'Malley and Ryan North, it was kind of the all-day guests, with a bunch of other uh, comic people kind of uh, dropping in. And we just hung out in our bathrobes and pajamas in the bed, and we signed comics in bed, and it was just the most luxurious convention experience I think I'll ever have. It was amazing. It sounds great, and it sounds a little frightening at the same time, considering you all the things you do in uh, Sex Criminals, so... Well, yeah, like, the best part of this was, like, nobody knew what was going on. So they'd line up, <laughs> and then people would just be taken away. And then, so they'd be, they'd be taken into an elevator. They'd go up the elevator, like, what the hell's going on? And then they'd knock on the door, and I open the door in my bathrobe. And so <laughs> I, I, shake, I shake everyone's hand as they come in and, you know, meet and greet. I show them all the things we have for, for sale and... Uh, and all the people that are there to sign, and yeah, yeah. So it was like everyone got to step room, just kind of cash talking in bed with comic creators, and uh, yeah, really lovely. I think, anyways, people enjoyed it. Why do I picture Chip Zazarski doing a, a Hugh Hefner thing in a hotel room? <laughs> I don't quite have that level of uh, uh, style and like anti-style. Like Hugh Hefner's kind of like. He's really gross, but he's also really cool, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I don't quite uh, uh, manage to get either of those things, so I'm just kind of like a dork in a bathrobe, uh, <laughs> showing people around the hotel suite. That sounds, still sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah, now, uh, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't warn the hotel about it, really. I, I kind of like, I had a cover story, which was... That, uh, you know, we needed the suite for interviews. We were doing interviews of comic book people in the room all day, so people would be coming up. So uh, the idea was that anyone coming upstairs would just be seen as media going up to interview people. Mm-hmm. But uh, the hotel quickly figured it out, because the lineup kind of stretched around the corner of the hotel. <laughs> and, and, you know, I got the phone call that basically said, uh, they're going to charge me a bit more for the room now. 
<laughs> the vent. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah. Well, well, hopefully they didn't gouge you too hard. Yeah. But it was an extra 200 bucks, which, you know, you know, fair enough. I've, yeah. I had nightmares all week about this, the, the whole thing, thinking that when the day came, Panix would rat us out or something, or that would just kick us out. So I'm I'm glad we actually made it through the whole day without incident. That well, it, it it sounds like it was a good time. So hopefully hopefully that money was worth it. <laughs> I think so. I think so. <laughs> I was just, about to say it seems like it sounded pretty worth it. Yeah, I mean, bathrobes and hanging door. out in bed. Just to yeah. open the door in a bathrobe and see the person's expression seems well worth it. I was about to say, was there anyone there that just kind of freaked out and didn't know what to do? Was there any, like, memorable people that walked in that you're like, okay, what's going on? Or was everyone real chill? Yeah, everyone was chill. The best part was, you know, the comic shop who was helping with this, the Beguiling, you know, they do events all the time. And so the guys that were handling the lineup, they said to me afterward, they're like, you know what, like, we do these things all the time, and there are always people that, like, uh, get angry in line or have a problem with the signing or like, you know, just like are cranky or problematic. But like everybody that came to the Narscon was cool. Like they were just there to experience a thing. And when they found out what it was, they were super happy with it and respectful. Like, you know, cause I was kind of worried about the idea of like, you know, they wait for like an hour sometimes and they get into the room and they're only in the room for like five, 10 minutes. And, at some point, I've got to, like, ask them to leave. But, like, nobody put up a fuss about it. They were like, okay, yeah, we get it. Yeah, more people are coming up. Okay. You know, we spent our time, and we've got some signatures and photos on the bed, and off we go. Like, it's great. Like, I think the, the creators that I was able to get to do this, their followings are people who are respectful of the creators and the art form and just enjoy comics they enjoy reading them they're not necessarily just strictly collectors um you know i got to i got to go to fan expo today for the first time in forever and it's a very different experience you know i find books for a lot of people and some of the people are just like uh they're in their own world and uh they don't seem to enjoy what they're doing like it's a compulsion for a lot of people uh Whereas with like something like Zadarscom, um, it's less about compulsion and more about just a desire to uh, experience something. I don't know. I'm overanalyzing it a bit too much. You know, I basically had a hotel party, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's been it's been a crazy 48 hours. Oh. So I'm still kind of digesting it myself. It sounded like it was a blast. Uh, have you been thinking about next year? A little quick on yeah, the question. Yeah, we immediately. We immediately started talking about next year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the problem is, like, we kind of, not that we set the bar too high, but we set the bar too comfortable. Right, right. Like, so how, do you, how do you make an event more intimate and more comfortable uh, unless I'm actually sleeping with the people that come in? Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's the thing. I was going to say, you got the bathrobe on this year. Uh, next, next year, next people year can only come in if they're in pajamas or in a bathrobe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, making a big slumber party. <laughs> now, speaking of oh, sleeping yeah. with people, um, mm-hmm. sex criminals. <laughs> great segue. Nice great segue. segue. Uh, nice. Yes. It worked out yeah. really well. Um, now I'm killing the momentum of it. 
So Sex Criminals uh, was basically my introduction to your artwork, um, and you were paired up with, with Matt Fraction, who uh, I've always loved. Uh, he's, yeah. he's a great writer, in my opinion. I think the rest of us agree as yes. well. Um, what has that been like? What's it been like working on Sex Criminals? Uh, well, it was definitely like a life-changing experience um, that started out as kind of a joke between friends. Like, I knew Matt probably for about 10 years before that, just online. That we both kind of were in the same message boards together, and uh, you know, he met his wife in the same places that I kind of hung out in, that Warren Ellis was at, and like Jimmy McKelvey, Kieran Gillen, like this certain type of comic creator that we all kind of came up around the same time, I guess. And I always loved Matt, like, I always thought he was so funny, even before he was actually doing the comics. And when he started doing comics, I'm like, this is great, this is like. For me, it was like kind of watching uh, myself, you know, rise through Marvel just through knowing Matt. I'm like so excited every time he got a new book or uh, was recognized in some way, vetted with awards, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we were we were really good friends, uh, pretty much strictly online. And at some point, um, I floated the idea of doing a book together and. He kind of he sent me this idea he had for a long time, which was basically sex criminals, mm-hmm. and um, like I, you, since you're Canadian, you'll you'll understand these references. I was at the National Post at the time, and I was sent to Ottawa to cover the boxing match between Trudeau and Patrick Bravo, the senator, and which was very surreal. I was like kind of like front row watching the guy who would become our prime minister, just pummeling a Canadian senator. <laughs> and, uh, and like, I've been up for, like, a long time. Like, I came out on the train, covered this thing, stayed up all night working on it. And um, so I was kind of jazzed. And uh, that's when, like, I reached out to Matt about doing something. And he got back to the sex criminals. And the whole train ride was basically us kind of back and forth, coming up with characters and scenarios for the book, just kind of, like trying to one-up each other, I think, in weirdness and craziness. And by the end of it, we kind of had like the basic story, and we pitched it to Image because Image already kind of wanted Matt to do something with them. And the uh, I was kind of the unknown factor, but they trusted Matt enough to have me on board as well. And one of the first phone calls Matt and I had about the book, once it was approved, he said to me, uh, "You know, this is only going to last like three issues, right?" And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, no one's gonna buy this. This is, this is us being really, really stupid. Because uh, at that point, it's also just kind of like a dick joke book. Like there wasn't a lot of depth to the characters or anything. Yeah. They're just kind of like, just being juvenile and you know having some fun. Uh, but as we start working on issue one and kind of creating the characters, we're like, oh, we actually really like these characters, and you know, uh, putting a lot of ourselves into it and. Uh, when it finally came out and people reacted strongly to it, uh, I think we all of a sudden realized that, oh my God, we, we're going to be doing this for more than three issues. And we kind of went back to the drawing board and kind of created a, a longer story with uh, uh, more characters and kind of more twists. And yeah, and it's just been nuts. For something that we thought was only going to last three issues, like it got me to the point where I had to quit my job to work on it full time. And uh, it's taken around the world and 
it's yeah, it's life changing. Yeah. There's no other real way to put it. Like it's and, and because it's your image, it's such a good deal for yeah. us uh, as creators that uh, to be able to have my first big college project be a thing that I have control over with my friends um, and people like it is yeah, it's pretty good. Cool. Now, while we're on the subject, I still, I still don't quite believe it. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Now, I had a question for you that I know a lot of uh, listeners are kind of curious about as well. Now, since we're on the topic right now of sex criminals, um, issue eleven, uh, we had that really cool sketch uh, variant that uh, you guys put out. Um, yeah. Do you think we can see? <laughs> think we can see another one and maybe a thicker poly bag? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, so many headaches from that issue. I know, I know you had a lot of headaches with that one. Uh, like we flew to the printing plant to uh, do all the sketches for that sketch cover, uh, which we basically were locked in the printing factory overnight to do them. I think we finished at like four in the morning. And wow. by the time I got home, I had an email from the publisher saying, what the hell are you doing? You can't draw Batman on your stupid sex book. <laughs> Which, all right, fair enough. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was, uh, that, was, that was a painful period that I look back on and, uh, and laugh now, but at the time, because again, it's a creator-owned thing, so we're, we're paying for our flights to this place in our hotel, and we had to, like, buy the poly bulk. Like, you don't just buy poly bags, buy individual bags, but to buy, like, 50,000 poly bags to do this oh, so something. So that's why we're seeing every other issue with, or every issue with a, a, a cover still in poly bags. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh man, it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I, I highly recommend if you're going to get into making comics, just stay the hell away from the production side because it is a pain in the ass. <laughs> the, uh, we broke the machine several times, the poly bag machine. Because the problem <laughs> was, I, I heard about that, yes. Yeah, well, because when we bought this stuff, it's like, okay, it's like, it's pink, opaque uh, plastic, great. But it wasn't very opaque when we got there. And we're like, we bought 50,000 of these things, and you can see right through them. <laughs> and so, like, on the spot, like, we were all trying to figure out how to fix it. So it ended up being, oh, there's going to be another a black poly bag inside. So now you have to buy black poly bags, and then we'll put <laughs> the pink poly bag over the black one and break our machine every hour or so. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little stressful on that side of publishing. Uh, so I don't so think we're going to quite do that again. We are going to do the uh, triple X covers. Okay. Um, yeah, we've got we've got five artists lined up for those, uh, and I've already kind of seen a couple of the covers come in, and they're amazing. So, yeah, any chance too much fun. Any chance for a spoiler on who those artists are? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give you the first one. Uh, Fiona Staples from Saga. Ah, yes! It's going to be wonderful. Be doing one. Yeah, wonderful. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. Uh, yeah, I think uh, on this we've got four ladies and one guy doing them. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, the sketches coming in are pretty great. Cool. Can't wait to get it because ludicrous job I have. Yeah, but I'll tell you because I have ish covers A and B both in my pool box. I get them each each, each time they come out. Okay. Yeah. 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 They're they're so much fun. Like um, we don't really 
stress the artist to give us roughs or anything. Like we kind of like that being surprised with the final image, mm-hmm. uh, which you know can sometimes backfire, obviously. But we want the reader to have the same feeling that we have when we open the email attachment and see it for the first time. You know, like, ta-da! Here you go. It's Brian Lee O'Malley <laughs> doing a Nintendo box with a Goomba dick. <laughs> yeah. All I want is for somebody to get that, not know what it is, tear it open, and laugh. And so, yeah, keeping it a secret is really hard. Like, we get these files, obviously, a lot uh, earlier than everyone actually gets to see them on the stands. And I, I never show anyone. Like, I got to keep it to my phone. It's so hard sometimes. I can imagine. Oh. Well, we've been talking sex criminals for a while. I know I had one question I want to throw out to you real quick. You know, you touched on a little bit earlier about uh, prison bunnies. And I've been trying I've been wanting to find out, is that available to read anywhere online? Will we see a trade coming out for that? No, I mean it was available to read online until week, really. Um, my kind of like my main website had them all the strips up. Uh, but I just kind of redesigned the website for this week, and um, they, they're they're gone. It's like it's like one of those things where it, it could only have been done by me at the age of like 22 or 23 when I did them. Uh-huh. They're a little embarrassing, and they don't quite stand the test of time. Like I sometimes think about collecting them into like like a big kind of uh, overall collection of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I have to tweak a lot of the language. I think uh, I'm older, wiser. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the the environment is not uh, quite as conducive to the politically incorrect leanings of a 23 year old from the year 2000. Uh-huh. So <laughs> it would, well, it would, I'd have to I'd have to George Lucas the shit out of it. As well. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully yeah. you will, and we'll see a trade come out for that because that that'll be something I would pick up. Yeah. Yeah. I have like a thousand copies of issue three, which is the one issue that never actually made it through Diamond because I forgot to solicit it. And when they came back from the printer, I realized I had two spelling mistakes right away on the first page. And I was too embarrassed to just like to send it out into the world. So the thing just stayed in my garage for a decade. Oh no. Because I'm an idiot. That was the best of us, right? Yeah. You've got thousands of. Uh, one comic in your garage too. <laughs> well, <laughs> not at this point. He's getting no. there. <laughs> I'm getting there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, uh, I have a quick question from one of our listeners that he had sent in earlier this week, um, and it's going to seem really random, but hopefully, hopefully, you have an answer that uh, surprises us all. Okay. Um, what would you do for a Klondike bar? <laughs> I would, I would like, I would absolutely pay upwards of a dollar fifty. A whole no dollar fifty. Wow. I have, I would have no reservations of paying a dollar fifty for oh my car. What about the right tax? Now. On the record, on the record, for everyone to hear. And is that including tax or? That's all in. That's all, all in. in. Okay. That's all I, so you have in my pocket. You'd go in, slam down the one fifty, and expect a Klondike bar in your hand. He's tapping out yeah, at yeah. 150 right there. <laughs> Fair enough. And who frankly, requested if that? I is... didn't, if I didn't get one, there'd be hell to pay. Oh boy! Yeah. I gotta ask Ad Nova who put that one out there. Toe. Yes, it was. We I have... knew oh, it. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! Uh, one of our regulars. Yes. No. 
huge yeah, also... Klondike bar fan. Yeah, dollar <laughs> yeah, fifty though is you gotta draw the line there. Um, one other question he had was this is this one makes a little more sense. Uh, if, <laughs> if if you could draw a single album cover for any band um, together or defunct, what would it be? Who would it be? What would the band be? Oh, for a band. Oh, that's a good one. Sex Pistols. <laughs> uh, that's tricky. I immediately kind of flashed to, uh, I briefly had a band. We only performed once, and we were almost kicked out of the place. It was kind of a, it was like an electric experimental jazz synth uh, band with a little bit of saxophone. Wow. And keep in mind, it's going back a little ways. It was called, uh, we were called We Bill Cosby, the Town of Rock and Roll. <laughs> because we would always open up, we would open up the set with uh, our DJ just playing like classic Bill Cosby uh, comedy bits. Again, this is before we found out he was a monster. And uh, yeah, we just like play terrible songs on our synthesizer while uh, I'd be singing like Hollow Notes Man Eater on a little Casio and and one of my band members would go into the audience with a saxophone. He didn't know how to play saxophone. He would just like blare it at people <laughs> two inches from their face. Oh. Um, oh. Would he at least do it? I was, was going to say, would he at least do it shirtless like the guy from Lost Boys? <laughs> no, no. We had terrible bodies. <laughs> we had terrible bodies. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, I kinda, I, I'd love to go back in time and like actually produce an album. And do the cover art for it, but other than that, like I don't know, I kind of want to do like a Ghostface Killer album cover. Ooh, yeah, cool. Because I know, I know, like you know, he likes comics, and uh, and uh, I've loved his last couple of albums. Uh, yeah, I think that, I think that'd be good. I kind of grew up on that, uh, on that kind of like Wu Tang hip hop, so that'd be nice. Well, Marvel is doing those hip hop covers, so. They, you know what? It's weird because like they, they got me to do the Howard the Duck one. Um, you know, they kind of gave me the idea, it's like the ODB cover, but Howard the Duck, and like, uh, and I actually like I drew it up, and like towards the end, I kind of was like, I don't know if this is a good idea. Uh, I was really struggling with it because, like, the image from that album cover is very much uh, kind of about the state of like. ODB, like, cause it's like, it's like, it's like, like food stamps card or whatever. And like to take that and turn it into a Howard the Duck joke. Ah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know how to handle it. So I, uh, I, uh, I ended up kind of quitting that gig. And a part of me regrets because I'm like, oh, it would still be really cool to have a comment with that on there. But I forget who they got to do it. They got somebody else to actually do it. And of course, like, you know, nobody had a problem with it. You know, it's all just in my head, but, um, yeah. I mean, again, as the theme of the show uh, continues to show us, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I make bad choices. Uh, I love, I love the honesty. It's yeah. Great well, I, well, I got to meet Bill uh, Sinkovitz. Uh, Ooh. I got, I got to tell him that like one of my favorite things of his was the Bobby Digital cover, which is the RZA side project. Have you ever seen that? Uh, I, I, I haven't. It's awesome. It's like, because it was like the Rizzo side project was like basically like a superhero character uh, concept album of a guy named Bobby Digital. And so it was like a total bill cover, which is like explosions and like 
shiny things, and it's so great. Look, look it up after this. It's, it's really awesome. That's, that's like an album cover I'd love to own the original for. Hmm. Now, speaking of uh, favorite artists, um, just, you know, before you got into, you know, with Sex Criminals and now Howard the Duck, um, were you reading comics? Were you always sort of, you know, either a Marvel fan or a DC fan, one of those as a, you know, aside from all the, all the newspaper stuff? Yeah, well, I mean, growing up, I was primarily a Marvel fan, and I was able to trick my younger brother into being a DC fan so I could read all the DC books. Uh-huh. You know, you know I'm the shitty older brother, and at like, some point I even convinced him, like, you know, these could be worth a lot of money, and you don't take good care of them, so you should keep them in my bedroom. Uh, so I'll take good wow. care of them. So he'd, he'd, he'd buy all the DC books every week and then give them to me to put in my closet. Um <laughs> So yeah, I, I have that kind of weird, uh, uh, it's kind of like the arc I think a lot of guys have with comics where, you know, I, I read them a lot as a kid and then um, when I was in high school, I kind of like started to get into like more adult stuff. Uh, Vertigo had started at that time and then I got into college and I had no money and so I stopped. <laughs> I stopped collecting comics. And when I got out of college, I uh, I still had no money, <laughs> but uh, the kind of the world of online had happened uh, and the message boards. So I started following it. Like it was almost like fantasy football, but for comics, like mm-hmm. I knew all the players, I knew what was happening in every comic. And, uh, I've had some strong feelings about things in comics, but I wasn't really buying a lot. Like I buy like maybe a comic a month kind of thing. But, uh, but I followed it religiously. Like somebody again, who like does like fantasy football, but doesn't actually watch football games. So that kind of continued along for a while, and you know, once I finally, you know, got work, I would would, would buy stuff uh, now and again. Mostly friends' work, you know, like I would buy all of that stuff when it was coming out. And then when I got the job doing Sex Criminals, uh, I started buying comics for the art, primarily, just so I could see what people were doing and uh, and uh, see how bad I was in comparison to them, which is really great for me to uh, have that feeling when <laughs> I sit down to do a comic. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and, and now I'm at the stage where now that I'm kind of into comics as a career, uh, I know so many people in comics and I'm constantly buying books or being given books and they, they really pile up on my uh, bedside table, um, which is unfortunate. And I, I feel like I have to read all the Marvel stuff now because I'm doing Howard the Duck and uh, and other things for them, and I need to know what's happening. So uh, I, I read most of the Marvel stuff now. Yeah, very now, nice. it's, it's, it's the kind of thing, it's like a business thing now, in yeah. a weird way. Like, yeah. I still enjoy reading the comics, but I'm also like, I have to read the comics. I have to, like, yeah. I have to be up on this. So when, I guess, uh, you first were approached by uh, Marvel to do Howard the Duck, what was it like uh, being, I guess, offered such a comedic character? I mean, were you happy that you didn't get offered something serious, or were you happy that it was something that you could play around with and, I guess, have a little bit more freedom with a comedic character in Marvel? It's weird because I never expected it. So it was, uh, it was the kind of thing. The editor, Will Moss, he'd known my work for a long time, like before Sex Criminals. I guess he bought – I did, like, an all-ages book – uh, way back when called Monster Cops, and he bought it from me in San Diego probably like 2004. 
um, and he remembered me from them. So when Sex Criminals was, uh, had taken off, he had like an opportunity in one of his anthology books to have like a fun two-page thing for me to do. It was an original Sims comic. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, like I'm going to get to work for Marvel. That's really cool. Like That's like my childhood thing. Uh, and so I kind of put it all into those two pages. Like, oh, I'm just going to make all these jokes and if they let me do it, they let me do it and great. And so after that, he uh, contacted me and he was like, hey, have you, uh, have you seen Guardians of the Galaxy? I'm like, yeah, yeah, good movie. Like, did you stick around after the credits? I'm like, yeah. He's like, how are the back, eh? I'm like, uh-huh. Like, I think because <laughs> he was in those credits, we could maybe get the higher-ups to approve a Howard the Duck book. Like, Ooh. really? That's how that works? I'm like, all right. Okay. So, <laughs> so, yeah, I was, like, super jazzed because I loved the comic when I was younger, and uh, and it seems like kind of one of the only Marvel books that would be right for me to do. Um, and so I started, I sent, I, kept, I sent him my pitch, and he'd give me notes on it. We'd go back and forth, and he'd kind of put some ideas by me for artists, and, like, at no point did I get hired to do the job. Like, we basically were talking about up until the point where all of a sudden there's a cover done and it's being solicited. I'm like, wait a second, am I, am I the writer of Howard the Duck now? And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, this is, it's due in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was kind of a, it's like the best way of, uh, for me to enter Marvel, I think. Uh, Howard the Duck was a ton of fun. Has it has it made you want to start writing other other characters? Yeah, well, the, the one thing I thought when I started writing it was uh, I was going to be fired. One or two issues, they realized they're a huge mistake, and I'd just be back to being an artist. Um, so if you look at, like, issue one and two of Howard, I just threw in tons of characters that I thought would be my only chance to write them. Like, I wanted to have She-Hulk in there because I loved the, her series and I wanted Spider-Man in there just so I could put on my tombstone that I wrote some Spider-Man dialogue, you know? Uh, and so during the course of this, because part of my pitch was the fact that it's Howard in the Marvel Universe and he's the most normal person in the Marvel Universe. He's got no powers. He's just like a dude who just happens to be a duck. Whereas, like, Spider-Man is a grown man in super tight clothes and a mask swinging on threads through a city. Like, that's the weird one. Howard's not the weird one. And so I like the idea of playing with all the superheroes, uh, the ones I grew up reading, the ones I'm reading now. And I think during the course of working on Howard, I kind of realized, like, I really enjoy writing all these characters. This is a lot of fun. So now it's made me a lot more open to the idea of kind of doing more Marvel books, for sure. Now, I noticed in the first few issues of the new series of Howard, um, you went, and one of the first characters that popped up, I guess, really, was um, Silver Surfer. Okay. Um, We've had, I guess, a string of people on the show who we've asked, like, who is some of their, like, favorite Marvel characters? Uh, What would be some of yours? If uh, Just curious. Oh, man. Um... Well, Spider-Man, I think pretty clearly, because I keep throwing him in the comic and breaking him down, uh, you know, he's, he's like my primary gateway superhero character. 
you know, I love everything to do with that that guy. Um, also, strangely enough, like uh, classic Steve Rogers, Captain America. Like I, I really grew up just loving that character so much. Like just such a weird, pure, innocent soul. Uh, I think that'd be a lot of fun to write a Captain America series where he's still just like this man out of time. Um, yeah, I, I got to I got to recently write uh, Old Man Logan, Wolverine, in Star Lord, uh, and that was just awesome. Like. Like part of the weird uh, fun of doing these Marvel books is sitting down to write dialogue for characters that you grew up reading, because it kind of writes itself at a point. Like you sit, if you sat down and started writing Wolverine dialogue, like I don't think you'd have any problem with it, because you know how that character sounds. Yeah. So it's kind of like, and, and it's the same with the, the Archie stuff, like Jughead. Like I know those characters so well just growing up reading them that. Uh, I, I find it quite easy to sit down and and, and have their dialogue just kind of flow. Yeah, so I don't. Uh, Spider Man is kind of the number one for me, but um, I keep getting surprised. It's like characters kind of pop up in books. How much I enjoy writing them. Oh, I like you to see you do a Red Skull. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I probably wouldn't touch the Hydra stuff right now, but <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just got a text message from uh, Brian Hill. He says, "Hi, Chip. You're awesome." Aww, <laughs> sweetheart. Yeah. Now I wanted to ask you, um, since you you've sort of gotten your your comic writing juices going with Marvel, is there anything yeah. that we, that we made? I did have to say juices. <laughs> Lots of juices. Of course. There's. Yeah. I see juice everywhere. Everyone's drinking juice. So, um, all right. Well, we didn't have to take it there, but <laughs> um, is there anything you you've been sort of conjuring up in that wonderful mind of yours uh, for writing with Image? Yeah, I mean, Matt and I have uh, another Image series that we're working on, uh, where we're co-writing it, and Andy Wu, who works with them on Hawkeye, is illustrating it. Um, and it's kind of a, uh, a superhero story. Uh, we don't quite have a final title for it. We were calling it Recidivist, but there's a fantagraphics book called Recidivist, so we're having to kind of go back to the drawing board on that one. Mm. But, uh, yeah, the kind of pitch like Matt and I had was, it's the guys who did sex criminals, and now they're doing superheroes. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> so that's that's the uh, that's the next kind of beginning thing that we're working on. Andy's drawing issue one right now, and uh, we kind of want to get like like the first five done before we even solicit it, so they all kind of come out like clockwork. And besides that, uh, Captara, the book I'm doing with Cake in the Cloud, um, he's been sitting on a script for a, a long time now, and I'm hoping he's uh, getting back into drawing it. <laughs> Artist, so, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure he's listening, so this will be, yeah. <laughs> this will be a nice. Hey, Kagan, get back to work. <laughs> well, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad for one. Going to give a little throwback here. You didn't fall for Rusty's trap because we've had a string of people saying they just need to write or draw a Silver Surfer. So, yeah, I, I really like writing Silver Surfer. Like he's. Uh, <sighs> 
Oh, he's okay. awesome. But also, it's yeah. those things where, like, I love it, but I also, I'm watching Dan Slott and Mike Allred uh, just killing it on Silver yeah. Surfer right now. Yeah. So it, it, it has the, it's like a double-edged thing where it's like, I'm reading it, I'm loving it, it inspires me to write Silver Surfer, but I'm also recognizing that, oh, wait, no, he's, he's already doing it really well, so there's just no way. Like, I would never write Amazing Spider-Man. Like, like Dan's shadow it's on that book is going to be yeah. felt, like, mm-hmm. so long. Uh, and he deals with kind of fandom on a level that I don't think I uh, have the ability to. And he also knows that character so well. But, yeah. Yeah. yeah I feel bad for ever falling down on Spider-Man and now on Silver Surfer. Well, I guess, what's going to happen is Dan is just going to write both of those until, you know, either paper stops existing or he stops yeah. existing or otherwise it'll just yeah. feel wrong especially I know, spider-man i mean, how, I yeah, mean he's how long has he, he been on spider-man oh he it, i i don't know but it's been i think it's been over a decade yeah i think he's like almost the longest he's definitely the longest run on amazing i think mm-hmm. ben just still hasn't for ultimate spider-man yeah but, I mean, I'm sure Dan's closing in on that if he hasn't already surpassed it. Like, I can't even wrap my head around that. Like, you know, doing 16 issues of Howard was like, wow, there we, I did it. I can't believe I did all those issues. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, people are doing, like, 100-issue runs. It's madness. Go ahead, Rusty. Sorry. Um, Rusty, I think you may have missed this, but we were talking about um, we were talking about Silver Surfer, and we have another, we have another fan, but... Unfortunately, he uh, he's not as excited as as the other guys. So our streak is done. <laughs> ah, that's a bummer. I was gonna say, like the past, like well, I mean, okay, Mike Allred is a little biased whenever <laughs> whenever we're interviewing him for Silver Surfer. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. uh, a few of the other people, it was just like, oh, surprise. Um, a few of them even were talking about Adam Warlock as well, and um, I mean, I'm sure you don't know, but uh, other listeners would know. I'm a big Cosmic fan myself for the Marvel Universe, going Starlin, okay. all of them. But um, yeah, it, yeah. Uh, we just had a surprising string recently of people that are like, "Oh yeah, I love Adam Warlock. Oh yeah, Thanos, uh, Silver Surfer, Captain of Marvel." And it's just like, "Oh, where where have all these people been hiding? Where's all the cosmic oh, yeah. stories in Marvel?" I'm I'm getting right back into that stuff right now, just kind of prepping on Star Lord. Um, you know, our, our first arc uh, takes place on Earth, so it's not uh, not cosmic in the slightest. But uh, I've been uh, rereading a lot of the uh, like Starland stuff, but uh, Abnett Landing Guardian stuff. Uh, yeah, cosmic Marvel. It's pretty it's pretty crazy. But I was gonna say, you know, Silver Surfer, obviously a favorite character, but like. That just jarred my my head a bit. Uh, Fantastic Four is the one that I'm constantly pitching Marvel <laughs> that they're never accepting. Because uh, I love that book so much, and uh, I miss it. I miss it dearly. It's one of those ones where it's like it's, it's, the fact that it's always those four characters. Like you know, people will come and go, but it always comes back to those core uh, characters. It's, there's something really wonderful about that uh, the fan dynamic I was gonna say do you have an opinion then on how they left them off in Secret Wars how they just kind of are uh, up in space uh, creating the universe I guess 
Oh, I think it's amazing. I thought it was, I thought it was a, a great way to end the series um, because they are the origin of the Marvel Universe. Like, those characters are the first Marvel comic uh, back in 61 and to kind of give it that kind of weird full circle feeling. Like, if they never came back again, you know, that would be a shame, but it's a great way to kind of end that story uh, for Reed and Sue and the kids. Like, just, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy that, like, uh, Thing and Human Torch were still available because I really love writing them and Howard. Um, and I take advantage of that whenever I can. But, yeah, yeah, I, I, thought it was a, I thought it was a good way to kind of, like, finalize their story, even though we know at some point we'll be back. And I think probably 50% of writers that work for Marvel have been pitching their Fantastic Four stories to them. And Marvel's just like, mm, not yet. I was going to say, I hope it's going to be the best of luck, though. I mean, Allred said he's been pitching um, Adam Warlock for a while, and then you want to pitch Fantastic Four. Lemire's coming out with a Thanos story. I mean, what an opportunity to tie, I guess, all of the Cosmic Universe back together and to make it something yeah. great. I mean, it, it, there's cool opportunities there, and I would love to see you on uh, Fantastic Four. That'd be cool stuff. Yeah, it's, so, it's, it's such a fun book, and, uh, you know, my favorite run on it, is uh is probably the the uh, Wade Waringo run, which is just like fun and kind of had a cartoony feel to it. I love that run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was nothing was taken too seriously, but he could still go really kind of deep tragic with it if he, if he wanted to. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, that's kind of like my my benchmark for that series. If I was able to somehow yeah. wrangle it away from Marvel for a bit. Now, one last thing I want to bring up. Um, you, sir, created, I'm assuming you designed it, one classy-ass business card. <laughs> it looks yes. amazing. It is. <laughs> with, uh, with our company slogan, yes. what do you want? <laughs> Which is probably, like, whenever I make something, I'm always like, usually I'm happy with it at first, and then as time goes on, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's okay. But that slogan is like, I'm pretty sure that's the pinnacle right there of things that I've created. <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy with it because it can be said so many different ways. Yeah, yeah. the lack of a question want? mark. The lack, lack of yeah. a question mark adds so many questions to it. Um, yeah, it's like just it, great. it could be like some high-minded like company like trying to come up with like a phrase. And <laughs> have like, you know, blah, blah, blah. What do you want? <laughs> you know, it could be read that way or it could be like, what do you want? Yeah. It could be annoyed, entrepreneurial, or just confused. Yeah. Yeah, so we, I, I, I made up the cards, uh, partly for the Darkcon this weekend to have something to give people like mementos, but also to uh, launch the, the new site. So I'm doing like actual uh, sales of art and prints and stuff on there now. Oh, awesome. Um, because I'm, I'm starting to realize, like, hey, maybe I should uh, make some money instead of just sticking around on the internet. <laughs> yeah, there's some Scotty Young guy selling these daily sketches. Maybe I should. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like Ryan Stegman, like, shoots himself with Periscope every couple of days doing drawings. Yeah. And uh, I tried that a couple of days ago, and it was fun. Uh, 
but yeah, I, I, I kind of want to get into doing like kind of more uh, sketches for sale and, and fun dumb prints about like a real fancy ass printer so I could do this and yeah, I'm going to make a go of it. Um, fantastic four characters. <laughs> Mom tells me that I can't do it anymore. I'll be able yeah. to give me a book. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, I got I got one more question from a fan as well, um, and I'm sorry this may this may seem rude, and I do apologize in advance. Um, what's it What's it feel like not to be verified on Twitter? So this um, interview's over. <laughs> oh no! Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the funny thing is, like, so uh, I have a second Twitter account, which is the one that I used when I worked at the National Post. And that got verified almost immediately nice. years ago because everyone in media gets them verified. And when I quit the post, I I decided to change the handle because it was at NPC, like National Post Steve. And I decided to pretend I was a Canadian senator and I wanted to be at Senator Murray. <laughs> and they're, they're, they warn you. They're like, if you change your username, you throw away your verification. I'm like, Ah, it'll be fine. I'll probably get it on my chip account at some point. And so you know, I threw away verification, and here I am, just struggling, just struggling. Every day is a struggle not being verified on Twitter. Oh. <laughs> it hurts so much. Yeah, seeing all uh, of my friends with little blue check marks by their names. <laughs> yeah, it's sickening. One day, someday yeah. soon. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> well, I was going to get a campaign going for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Matt. Matt has offered me his uh, Twitter account. Oh wow. He's verified, and so I could just take over his Twitter account and be verified again. There you go. But you'd probably just change everything and get rid of the verification. Oh uh, yeah, I, I'm <laughs> making that mistake again. <laughs> yeah, you're a fool. Well, speaking of Senator Murray, I have to ask about your mock campaign for the mayor of Toronto back in 2010. (laughs) So so for our listeners that aren't familiar with it, maybe you could talk about it just a little bit. Yeah, so my job at the newspaper was very ambiguous. Um, I was kind of a a graphic designer. I did information graphics for them and then slowly kind of weaseled my way into becoming kind of a mascot for the paper in a way. Like, it sent me a weird assignment. Like, it rappelled down... City halls, where I get to go flying in a plane or, or hang out in a nubis colony. Um, and so in 2010, you know, the Toronto election was coming up, and I just pitched the idea to them, like, that the best way to cover this is to actually run for mayor. And it was so weird because we ended up having like these really high-level meetings with the publisher and the editor-in-chief as they discussed the ethics of covering me as a candidate. Like, well, if you run and you do well, like, how do we cover you? Like, how do we have a reporter write a story about someone that works here running for mayor? And I couldn't quit my job. So basically, we came to the conclusion that I would have to forget to sign up to be mayor uh, and just, like, run anyway. So the whole campaign was me just kind of making fun of mayoral campaigns and saying that, oh, I haven't quite signed up for it yet, but uh, I'll get around to the deadline passes, like, Keeping shit fingers probably a way to take the public key running for mayor and see what happens. Um, so that's how we bypass the ethical problem. And uh, yeah, the paper sort of credit let me just go all out. I did like birthday parties and 
launch parties. Like I would give a speech anywhere that anyone wanted me to give a mayoral <laughs> campaign speech. Uh, it was so much fun, and uh, and yeah, and I lost. I lost in quotes to Ron Ford. Uh, R.I.P. <laughs> uh, so kind of watching his life and uh, mayorship unfold, uh, knowing that I, I may have been able to actually run against them and possibly win. You know, I really let the city down. So they ever give you a total number of how many votes you ended up getting at the end? No, no. I, I, they don't count the um, the spoiled ballots, mm-hmm. unfortunately. I, I would have yeah. people, like, even even mm-hmm. still, like, people come up to me and say that they... They they put my name down on the ballot, but uh, I can't imagine cool. more than a few hundred people. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was a it was a blast. I, I really miss that job. Like I love working in comics, but um, I don't get to do the stunts as much with comics. Yeah, which is kind of why I, I do dumb things like put Leah Thompson and Howard the Duck and Trudeau in a Civil War story because because uh, I kind of crave that like stuntness, you know. I really do hope Trudeau is photobombing topless in an upcoming issue um, because I think it's at this point it's got to show up in in a comic as well. well. Yeah, it's funny because like you know a lot of this weekend was me promoting the Trudeau appearance and uh, and I think it went well enough that uh, I could probably convince Marvel to let me put Trudeau in more comics. Nice. I was I was signing with Ryan North and you know I think he's He's got some like Canadian adventure coming up for Squirrel Girl, and I'm just like put Trudeau in, just and have him reference my story. It'd be great. Like we just have continuity <laughs> for Trudeau across all the comics. You know, you know, I I feel like um, Marvel and DC Comics just don't visit Canada enough. <laughs> Not like Brian K. Vaughn. <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah, that was great. <laughs> Now that and it's and you can tell you can tell why because that didn't sell well enough and they had to sort of cut it short at six. I, I don't think it was planned to be just six issues, but mm-hmm. either way, I I think it probably sold well enough. Yeah, I think, okay. uh, I, think I think Brian's like his record and his trade sales, like the idea of like oh poor Brian came on can't quite <laughs> get six issues out like. No, I, I think that would probably <laughs> limited. Like, maybe they'll bring it back. I don't know, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah, he does all right. Yeah, he gets by. I think I think you need to pick up that mantle then. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I, should, I should tell him that I'll. I mean, all right. Well, I got a question for the the three American guys here. Um, there's this misconception about Canadian accents. Are you guys hearing it from Chip? Because I know you guys have said you don't hear it from me, so no, I'm not hearing. No, that. nah, it's not problem. really. It's, you you guys watch Trailer Park Boys and think that's how every Canadian does. <laughs> Actually, I've never there's seen that like, movie. Oh, it's a like good show. You're missing there's, out. There's, it is a really great show, and there's is, really yeah. nothing about my accent that <laughs> uh, anyone could pick up on. I don't think. Yeah, it's like what so. are you talking about, eh? Yeah. 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 <laughs> It depends. If you're more from the East Coast, like it'll you'll hear it more. Like uh, like Kate Beaton, um, whenever she gets a little drunk, you can't understand a word she says. She sounds oh, just wow. like a trailer park boy. It's great. Like damn it, Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, great stuff. All right, Chip. Well, it looks like we are running out of time. We just really appreciate right. you coming on the show tonight. Thank you so much. Yeah. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
it, it was it was great talking to you. And uh, I just I, I think we we all can't wait for more of your your comics, which I, I do have to thank you for because you mm-hmm. you are one of the the few writers that is writing fun comics right now. Yes, you know you mentioned someone like Dan Slott who is also you know a blessing to the industry because he is having fun clearly writing these things. So yeah, um, yeah, totally. I, I do want to thank you for for joining the the comic world and all the penises I've seen. Um, <laughs> recently, another you, other, you, you enjoying this? I'll keep on giving you penises. I got juices on the mind whenever I think about uh, the name Chip. So, no, Chip and Dale will never, will never be the same. Yeah, fair. Thanks a lot for having me. Hey, thanks, thanks man. Our, we really appreciate it. And come back anytime. Yes. All right, awesome. Thanks. We cross the streams and survive. Let's grab some Twinkies and call it a day. Thanks for joining us. Four Guys in a Comic loves to hear from you. You, our listeners. Give us a call at 682-422-6642. That's 682-4-A-Comic. 682-4-A-Comic. Tell us what you're looking forward to next week. Bonus points if you say live or die rules. That's it for this week. Stay true to yourselves and remember to practice safe storage. Use bags and boards whenever possible. Take care.